it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life, hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative you insurgency me up, man. in their you lives. Fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. Up from a sub 60 feet below, scuba to the surface, now we're ready to go. K-bar grease gun by my side, these are the tools the comedy dies by. Lift, lift, lifty righty lift. That's a good pull, man. <laughs> was that y'all's favorite class? That was one of them. That oh, and, yeah. that and when, Jack. Oh, well, no, I mean, I think our favorite one, especially down by the, down by the zone or by uh, the down rocks. By, yeah, down by the rock. Yeah. In front of the Dell is uh, when um, Mr. D come out and he'd, he'd go, P-I-N-K-Y, pinky is kinky and so am I. <laughs> and then it'd go into those crazy ones. And that's when we actually got, brother, we had the Hotel Dell call down to the command and was like, hey, you know, would you guys mind not singing those dirty songs <laughs> in front of the guests, dude? Like the one with uh, napalm sticks to kids. kids yeah, and, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Little do you know when you're doing all that, you're like, oh, wow, there's other people in the world. <laughs> Human beings find this may have find this offensive. There should be a disclaimer on our on the side of the ambu as it goes by. <laughs> Even within ear, uh, a way of earshot, children of earshot. You wear oh, a false motivation. A- <laughs> Remember that one? God, oh, where did that, that come from? Boy? Oh, man. That's false motivation right there. Go get wet and sandy. It was real motivation. I was really motivated. Seemed false to me. Go it, get wet it, and sandy. It, it, that, you're, Luttrell, <laughs> Rutherford, yeah. you, you're lying right now. Lying. I know you're not having fun. I know it. Yeah, I know you're not. Yes, we are. I swear. This it. is awesome. Hoo-yah! Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Hoo-yah! Instructor Ashelman, hoo-yah! <laughs> Yeah, dude, I love it, man. Well, wait, listen, welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast with yours truly, Instructor Runt, and Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. We're so stoked to be ha- here with you, and, and today's show is super awesome, and I'm very fired up, as usual, as you always know I am, and as Marcus is too, because we got one of our own brothers coming on today. 
And I'll tell you what, you better believe we're going to have some great stories about training and, and backgrounds and, and why we love being frogmen. Uh, so I, I'm super. Are you fired up to bring Mike on today, bud? I am. I am. I just, just you open it up with, uh, with the buds cadences and stuff like that. And after that conversation we were having downstairs about, uh, how we've rolled out in the new generations in and stuff like that. <laughs> Where are the old guys now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I remember, um, when you were saying who, uh, instant burns back then it was instant burns commander captain burns now. Oh yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. But, uh, he took over the phase and I, you know how ingrained in our head, who ya is. We oh. answer every, it's kind of like throwing. Yes. Everything on the first step. <laughs> and I'll never forget. He came in one day and asked the class leader. Somebody's like, Hey, hey uh, what's the weather doing this afternoon? Is it going to be good? And he's like, who ya? And he goes, what does that mean? Who ya? Would you please tell me if I walk outside and say, How's my car look? Is it who ya? I mean, am I just supposed to know every and just went to this whole diatribe about that? And every time he would ask the guy a question, the guy we, we would reply, "Who ya? Stop saying that!" <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, I love it, man. That's your go-to answer, right? No matter what, no matter what it is, if you just because he would be like, "That sounds like an f you who ya?" And you're like, "Yeah, yeah." There's a little bit of that. Yeah, in there. there is who ya? Who ya? Who ya? Yep. Yeah. Well, brother, when you you know when you show up and that's all you got, right? You, you, you don't have any other way to inflect a type of F you. Just because to show you that you're not there to even speak. That's your, that's your only verbiage is hoo yah. <laughs> this is, this is the extent which you're going to be able to talk while yeah. you're here. You're not here to learn anything other than just getting beat down and tough. So your reply is hoo yah. That's I'm all I want to hear about you. It. Or negative hoo yah. Hoo yah. Well, welcome to the show. If you're listening, we're super fired up, not only for the fact that we got Mike Ritland, one of the world's greatest dog trainers and handlers, team guys, and all around amazing dude. Guy knows more about animals and dogs and, and human psychology almost than anybody I've ever met. It's remarkable. He's coming on the show. He's a good buddy of Marcus and I's. And then we also, you know, we got some other funny stuff to talk about and some other cool stuff. Uh, we want to first, but before we get into this, is say thank you. We've been chosen as uh, Apple iTunes, one of the top podcasts of 2016, and we could not have done this without you. So Marcus and I are super fired up. Yeah, thank to, you so much. You know, thank you for your, your devoted listening and and the way spreading the word and and trying to help us help as many millions of people around the world discover the never quit mindset in themselves. If you want to know more about why we do this, what it, what it is we do this, all the people that we do it with, please visit our website at tnqpodcast.com. Go check that out. You'll see all the other shows. Or if even better, go to iTunes, subscribe on iTunes podcast to our podcast. You can have us on demand. So when you're getting your surf torture and you want to let out a hoo you can have us in your brains teaching you how to do it. All right. Tell your friends, subscribe. And if you could write a review on there, uh, that helps us out tremendously. All right. That's a big opening to a show. I just bro. like to give a shout out to the Rut Hut in New Jersey. Hey, look at that. The Rut Hut. I didn't even notice that. Came in the mail. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you got one too. I just didn't give it to you. Holy cow, the Rut Hut. Right? And that's in Jersey? Where in Jersey is that? Look at that. Better than ever. Hey, Clifton, New Jersey, the Rut Hut. Hey, I wanted to give a shout out to y'all too. Rut Hut. Man, they got beer and, and hot dogs on there. I love it, man. It's all patriotic. We got to go get it. We got to go. We'll stop by next oh, time we're right absolutely. There. We're going to stop by when we're in Jersey. Hey, thanks, y'all, for give, for sending those to us. We appreciate it. I was it. rooting around in the mail this morning. I <laughs> <laughs> found it. Uh, well, I've never seen anybody that gets more random stuff than you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
All right, so before we get into the interview with Mike Ritland, what we're going to do is we're going to start off with uh, 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 one of Wizards' favorites. It's it's a what you going to do. But this time, we're changing it up a little bit. Instead of me reading one to Marcus and hearing Marcus's ideas, he's going to flip it around, and he's going to read it to me. So I, I, I'm How long the wizard sits up and, and thinks of this stuff. And it's remarkable, it's going, isn't right? it? I mean, because you can tell he has time progresses. He gets to know each. The, the questions go deeper and deeper into our into our in, world. In our psyche. Yeah, I in know. our psyche. All right, go ahead, shoot. All right, there we go. From the wizard. Wizard. You bolt awake one night, confronted by a brilliant light and a thunderous voice. It calls your name. Brut. No, it's formal. It says David. David. You and your family have been chosen among all men. This day by sunset, all but 10,000 human beings across the face of the earth will perish. Oh, my. And all of your modern technologies and knowledge, knowledge is destroyed. Heed my words and tell no one. At least you and your family shall suffer a horrible fate. Shielding your eyes from the overwhelming <laughs> brilliance and power, you stammer, but why? The voice replies, because I said so. <laughs> Damn. And vanishes. Your mind races on what to do next. Since you're a team guy, you're already prepared. With all basic survival skills and equipment, such as food, water, shelter, energy, supplies, weapons, and zombie apocalypse-proof vehicles. <laughs> That's good. Zombie apocalypse-proof vehicles. vehicles. <laughs> For sunset, you can select five additional items in which to rebuild the human society. 21st century Moses. What are you going to do? Damn, dude. That's uh, heavy, bro. That's pretty heavy, right? That's a lot to think about <laughs> on the podcast, bro. So I all hope right. you've been studying the Bible, know your Bible, and know Moses. Take some hints, brother. Uh, all, all right. So first and foremost, what I'm going to do is uh, I, I'm going to get my Bible, right? I'm going to get a Bible. I need that item. That is the, the cornerstone of, of, of how. All right. Reference material. Yeah, yeah. Re reference material, right? A Bible. And and can can I? What do you think? Can I have more than one reference? Why are you asking material? me, Moses? <laughs> All right. So I, I I I number one Bible. Number two, the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, all the amendments, all that stuff. Right. I have three items left for for in order to govern. So that's your baseline material. That's my baseline. Bible and Constitution. Bible and the Constitution in that order. Now the 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 other thing is is I I you know we've got all the vehicles. We've got all the uh, we're team guide up. We, we, we're good. So now, and, and it's only 10,000 people. Did it say I had to choose 10,000? No, that's all you got. Uh, that's all I got in there. So, all right. So the next thing I need to do is. The best is, way to, to organize 10,000 people off the bat would be, it had to be um, militarily, right? You, you would think so. Just to get the, in the, the so food, I, the water, the clothes, so, so shaved, showered. Picking the location. So the next, that's my next thing is we're going to pick a location. So. What, where we're going to go is we are going to go. Absolutely. Why Mexico? It's beautiful. I was just there. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm getting <laughs> Big that. fan of Mexico, I'm dude. Getting, <laughs> I'm getting oh, I, I'm a Texas boy, man. I grew up running over I there. I did that. Until here recently when it got bad. You know, we all, yeah. all of us who grew up out here in the South and in the West Texas, man, we, we go to Mexico growing right. up. And, I'm just thinking about, fer you know, fertile, the most hmm. fertile grounds in the world uh, to grow stuff. Period. That's what I want. That's where I'm thinking about. All right. So, so we got. All right, what, have you been to New Zealand? How about now? Here's what I need now: is I need it's a long way though. Yeah, it is. It's really I. I we but we could all fit on. New we could get there. We have the planes. Do we? We have all the team guy stuff. We I, have, I, he said team guy stuff, which means we have access to everything. So we've got boats. Bo everything. Every, all right. So I would tr I would logistically transport all ten thousand people to. I don't know. Can you grow stuff on New Zealand? 
What? <laughs> I, I never been there, dude. Yeah, you can grow. I think I, I imagine you can grow something there. Let, let's, just, I think I read assume, that somewhere in a book. Let's assume I can. We can grow. So I'm going to. No, you, you can. It's beautiful. It's it's. it's we're going to transport all ten thousand people to New Zealand, right? Then the first thing we're going to do once the transpo has happened, the mass movement, the mass exodus, <laughs> the mass exodus. Now we got to think about this. So what about uh, food, livestock? as well right so oh, best yeah. place to grow livestock a lot of they, they uh, have it all they got yeah they oh, got yeah, the ocean so yeah. i mean the, the sea and land so then from the sheep elk, cow yeah, or, uh, cattle uh, goats stag, chickens yeah and you go up to the glaciers they have tar the chamois yeah. uh, they have a glacier there yeah so right, yeah i'm gonna say that and then all right so we get everybody there first things we do is we hold elections all right and we nominate uh you know the same way we do a president all the way down, hold elections, boom. And then you stand down? Yeah. And then I back away, right? And then we do Supreme Courts, all that stuff, a full full on electoral process. And that's it, man. And and I think that's all you, that's what you gotta do. Would you train ten thousand people in how to defend no. themselves? So what we do is we and then, you know, within that framework of society, the, the last thing I do is we we build an army, right? We gotta have some some a police force army, and that's you know, 500 or whatever and then then they they get access to you know the Wait, an army or a police unit well you're, gonna, you're not gonna need an army because you're one clan right y- yeah but you're still gonna need well, you're, who you're gonna defend against yourself I- i'm just saying you gotta have some way to to implement the rules and the laws and that's through initial 500 man army and it's gonna be conscription too just like with israel right in order to you get that that sense of of servitude and all that in there so that's my plan, man. Earn your place. Yep, exactly. Gotta earn your place. So right? you do two years in the service, right? Either you know, as a, in military or police officer. Then you got to do two years agricultural work, and then you can go pursue your job and dream and, and education, all that. Well, that's my plan, brother. What do you think, dude? I don't know. Let me march over it. Well, I'll get back to you. <laughs> well, all right. Well, you march over it. Well, <laughs> I, I would imagine you're going. <laughs> That's hard stuff, dude, to figure out Man. in like three minutes, bro. That's right. what we were talking about. The United States is such a great anomaly and how it's formed. And Brother, it's the best country on the planet, hands down. I mean, just look at what we're... Just taking. talking about what it would take to do that and thinking about how, where we're at now. Oh, bro. It's always important to think about those things, man. All right. So let's pivot. Let's get into welcoming on oh, a, a close friend of ours, a guy that we have the most profound respect uh, the owner of Trichos. He's written several books. Team Dog, uh, Trident Canine. Uh, he's a great team guy, uh, a great friend. Without further ado, let's welcome on board Mr. Mike Ritland. Every single time that it happens, that all of a sudden that we get one of our own, one from the Brotherhood, Somebody, and in particular, somebody that I know and care about, man, it gets me fired up, Marcus. Now, I don't know if you believe it, but I, I it's true. I'm I'm exploding at the at the seams right now. I love this dude. I've known him for 20 years, and having him on the show right now, I I don't know even I, I don't even know how to describe it, brother. This is when the show usually takes a detour down some some rabbit hole. <laughs> we, we can't get it back. It takes, <laughs> you know. The boss is coming up here going, wrap it up. <laughs> when we're five hours into it. Yeah. Know, telling yeah, some yeah. obscure story that doesn't have anything to do with anything. That, that's my favorite. So, uh, 
<laughs> well, well, I, well, let's get him on because I, I, I just wanna, I wanna yeah, hear right, him yeah, talk. Right, I want go, everybody listen to him. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, and and all different types of animals. I'd like to introduce and welcome our close, close friend, Mr. Mike Ritland, to the show. Mike, you there? I'm here. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm tired just hearing you introduce me. Jesus Christ. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a pleasure. Well, well, you know the deal, bud. 20 years and I still haven't slowed down. I still get super fired up over nothing, but you're something, so I'm even more fired up. No, I, I appreciate you guys having me. It's, uh, it's an honor being on here. Cool, cool. All right. So the way we do this, Mike, is obviously... Uh, you know, we, we need to warm up just like, you know, on the range or warming up with the dogs or we got to warm up a little bit. So we're going to we're going to subject you to what we call the mad minute. Now, it's not a mad minute like we all used to know downrange, although those are absolutely one of the funnest things you can do in the world. This is the mad minute to loosen up your gray matter, to get to stretch out your your cognitive capabilities and also to have a lot of fun. So are you ready? Uh, fire away. You got it. All right, Marcus, send one downrange. Favorite superhero. Favorite superhero, Deadpool. <laughs> that's why I love you, Mike. Yeah. You're that twisted, dude. <laughs> right? <laughs> man, that's going up on the wall. We, we got to have our superhero We wall. do the list of what no. everybody says, man. That's a good one. Oh, that's no so good. No one's throwing that out yet. No, not even close, but I knew he would. All right, all right. Beatles, Rolling Stones, or Led Zeppelin? Oh, Led Zeppelin all day long. <laughs> Movie character you like to play out in real life? Uh, Deadpool. Christ. Again. Dude, he's on point right now, dude. I Hardcore love it. Hardcore with... All right. I'm going to go watch Deadpool. We're going to watch right? it yeah. tonight. That'll be our Christmas movie for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If, if you had to fight one, uh, Rambo, number one, Sylvester Stallone, or Commando, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who are you going to fight? If I had to fight one of them? Yep. Or fight with one of them. Which one? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go commando just because uh, I'm, I'm hoping that because he's three times my size, he's a little slower. Yeah. He was pretty quick in that in that, that Small flick, guys uh, think yeah. that. Oh, you got to go with. <laughs> Did you say you small guys? <laughs> <laughs> you put us both in it. Have you seen Mike lately? He's a monster. Dude. <laughs> All right. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, stop there. That's, very good. That's, what, that's how it happens, yeah, right? We yeah. started with there. All yeah. right, all right. Old Yeller or the Red Fern Grows? I uh, got to go with the, where the Red Fern Grows. Me too, man. I was the same way. My dad was an Old Yeller guy, man. I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I watched it, but the Red Fern Grows tore me up. Yeah. <laughs> tore me up. Have you seen those, right? Probably no. not, have you? No. You, you haven't seen Old Yeller? I know. I've seen Old Yeller, of course, but not where the Red Fern Grows. Well, that you didn't said, read the book? You didn't read the book in school? I don't remember, man. They don't read books in Boca Raton? We read a lot of books. A lot more books than they do in Texas. I'm Ooh, telling really? you. Really? <laughs> well, what about the Red Fern Grows? I'm going to say maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Thank you. <laughs> He's a senior oh, man on this show. He is the senior <laughs> man on this show. Oh, dude, that's awesome. All right, next, next question. Uh, if you could be president for a day, what would you do? Oh, Christ. I don't know if I could fit it all in in a day, but uh, I'll tell you this much. I wouldn't sleep. Um, you know, for me, I would, uh, it would have to be something, you know, troop related in terms of, you know, I, w I would make a point to, to visit as many of them as possible uh, in, in, the, in the places where a, a president doesn't usually visit them, you know, downrange and, and, uh, and hang it out with the guys. Like, I, mean, I would want to go to like a Ford operating base that, 
you know, where your where your nuts are, are literally hanging out and, and go visit those guys and just tell them how much, uh, you know, that, that I appreciate what they're doing and how much the country appreciates what they're doing. Cause I, I just, I mean, for the last eight years, I don't mean to get political, but I just, I don't, I don't feel like we've gotten, gotten any of that. Uh, we, we as a collective, you know, and, and I think that, uh, you know, with all the other issues that this country faces, which, uh, you know, which are lengthy, um, I still don't think that, uh, that you can really beat a, an aspect of, uh, you know, of genuinely and truly thanking the troops, not just, you know, with a phone call, but actually, you know, backing your words up with your actions by going to where these places are that, uh, you know, these guys are, are hanging it out day in, day out. I think, uh, I would just, I'd spend the day doing that saying, thank you. That's pretty awesome, man. That's an awesome answer, dude. I was not expecting that. Mike, that was epic, brother. Thank you for that. Can you imagine sitting out there on during the holidays, especially now, and the, oh. and the boss walks out oh. into one of the files where we're at? Can you imagine that? Kid oh. it up? I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did not expect that answer. There, there, I, I don't even think that's even... I would have never even thought of that. No, no. <laughs> you know, old George W., he did that a few times yeah. out there. You know, right away, There's a great story of... Uh, I think it's uh, the guys over at Damnick coming off and off. like literally they got pulled off and off because they had to get back. They're like, hey, you guys got to get back to base. And they're like, well, we're not quite done. They're like, we'll wrap it up. Get back here. I guess they got back to the hangar and they're like, yo, w- what's up? We weren't quite. And they're sitting there and all of a sudden old George W. comes out. They're all kitted up, still got blood on them and all that. And he goes up to each one, salutes them and shakes every one of their hands and says, thank you. Yep. I mean that's that's epic, right? That was a great answer, Mike. All right, go ahead, Marcus. I mean, all all my questions seem lame now, <laughs> <laughs> don't they? All right, all right. Sing any song as good as the person who sings it. Halftime Super Bowl. What song would you sing? Um, hmm. you know, I'd have to go with. Uh, I mean, really, anything that uh, that Chris Cornell sings. Um, yeah. <laughs> To pick a, a specific song, I think would be would be tough. But uh, really, any, anything off the first Audio Slave album that he did, oh, uh, you know, awesome! With, with the Rage Band, I think uh, just something about that dude's voice, fucking just, um, yeah. I mean, I, I would I'd give anything to be able to sing like that guy. Uh, did you just see that Temple of Dog just had like the twenty year anniversary for that song uh, with him and yeah. Eddie Vedder? Man, ah, oh. yeah. No, yeah, hung, hunger strike with the two of them. Yeah, uh, man, it's epic. It's a uh, classic high school jams, man. <laughs> I love it. All right, all right. Yeah. Uh, last question is: What is your greatest failure? The greatest failure. Um, let's see. Not, I guess the probably the, the one that uh, that's hurt the most. I guess was. Uh, is actually you know it's, it's professionally related i guess dog dog wise now there was uh this was years ago when i first got started there was a, a young dog that i bred um and uh probably had the most potential i'd, I'd seen in, in a long time or, or pro- maybe even since then he was about 14 months old and uh and i pushed him too hard too fast and completely ruined him and uh oh, for me man. While a lot of people may may not think that you know in the in the scope of somebody's life that that's the greatest failure for me, it, it it's the one that pops up as you're asking me it. So I'm going to go with my gut on it. And that you know, there's two two main components why it why it contributes to to the answer is that number one is that it was a dog that I bred, uh, and number two to to kind of dovetail onto that, it's that 
you know, it's a living, breathing creature that, uh, that genetically was very, very gifted that because of my, uh, my impatience and, and inadequacies at the time as a trainer, not to say that I'm perfect now by any stretch, but, um, but, you know, a hundred percent my fault. Uh, you know, I, I kept a really good dog from, from going on and, and serving, whether a police department, military unit, whatever, a hundred percent because my ego and my impatience got in the way. And, and, you know, it's not a piece of equipment that you can just, you know, scrap it and put it back together or, or melt it down and make something else. I mean, it's a, it's a creature that, that didn't ask to be, to be born, you know, didn't ask to be bred, didn't ask to be raised and trained the way that, that we do with them. And, uh, and I, I flat out ruined them because I, I just made, made a lot of mistakes with them pushing them too hard. And, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's something that while it was a very, very tough, tough lesson learned, uh, it's one that I, I learned a, a truckload from and, and really has forged the, the backbone of my training theory now in terms of taking it, you know, to a polar opposite of, of really focusing on positive reinforcement and, and, uh, you know, just immersing myself in, in the canine psychology aspect of, of dog training and how their mind works and how they learn and, and why and, and all of that. And so it really, you know, the, the silver lining of it was, uh, was that, you know, it, it catapulted me into, into because I was so sickened with, with me ruining this dog. Uh, it, it really changed every every facet and aspect about how I train and, and how I go about a lot of aspects in life, frankly. So, um, you know, it, it, uh, it just, you know, like I said, that, to, to ask me off the top of my head, that, that's what sticks out. So, Wow, Mike. I, and, and that's why you're one of the best in the world at what you do, because you are humble and you are honest and you, and you can admit and learn from your mistakes, man. That's why I love you, brother. So, Thank you so much for sharing that with our guests. And I and I think that that's a, a great pivot moment. And also thanks for having fun with us on the 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 mad minute there. And it was, you know, uh, you know, we do that to loosen up. But the reason why people are on the show and why they're why they're here and they're join us and they keep coming back and they and you know, we're so blessed with our audience and 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 who's there and and it's because we have people like on you that are willing to talk about great stories and, and the toughest times of their lives. So, you know, if you could, Mike, uh, uh, do our, our listeners a, a real service as well as Marcus and I. And could you please share with us your greatest never quit story? Absolutely. Um, you know, for me, it's chewing tobacco. Um, you know, I've, I've uh, been faced with trying to quit for a long time and, and I've never been able to do it. So, uh, no, I'm just joking. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, I was I, like, last dude, time I, I saw you, you had a dip in. I, like, I, I was going to say, I just saw you on Facebook with Clint with a dip in. Wait a minute. <laughs> I got chewing right yeah, now. Like, uh, damn it. Yeah, never, yeah, just, you know, that's my, you know, I'm, I'm just never going to quit it. I can't do it no matter how hard I try. <laughs> <laughs> when Adelaide was born, I had my last, I had a can, you know, it was going to be my last one. And that was my, each child, I was like, all right, you know. Last, my last vice is just chewing, and and the boss yeah. said I could I could have one, right? Yeah, no. and and you, you no, I'm, I'm. you're both a bunch of wussies because I quit on July fourth, two thousand three. Yeah, I, I don't have to remember a date like that. <laughs> Everyone I know who quit chewing remembers the day they quit chewing. Oh. Well, nobody likes to quit her, Dave. So, I, you know, I know. And, and don't think that every but, time he yeah, comes up. Every master chief you've ever walked across, yeah. nobody likes to quit her. But, but don't think that, Mike, that every time he comes up, sits at this table across from me, gets ready to go on air and puts in a big fatty, I'm not jonesing for one. <laughs> <laughs> that, shit, that shit never goes away. Yeah, ever. Uh, like, ever. 
Yeah, no, but uh, I, I, so there's there's two in particular that uh, you know that come to mind. One was prior to joining the Navy, and then one was was after. Um, and you know, for me, um, you know, I, I I bring the first one up. Um, you know, looking back on it now, you know, it, it's one of the things where you know you, you think about things that you did or, or didn't do, and, and you, or you think about things that bothered you, and you're like, Jesus, what? You know, why did that bother me? Who gives a shit? Um, you know, and that's kind of how I look at it now, but, but at the time it, it was a huge deal. It was, uh, you know, it was a big, big, uh, moment in my life that, uh, that again, really, really kind of forged uh, a lot of things. And, right. uh, you know, the, the gist of it is, and I wrote about it briefly in, uh, in my first book, um, kind of outlining the, the backstory on it, but the gist of it was the, the high school that I went to was, was pretty, uh, racially charged. And, um, you know, this was back in the, in the early nineties when, um, you know, the Rodney King, uh, right. oh, yeah. was yeah. pretty fresh, uh, in everybody's mind. And there was, there was a lot of, uh, you know, tension, et, et cetera, you know, kind of nationwide, similarly to, to how there has been since then a few times, even right now, arguably, but, but, uh, you know, for me, it was, and where was were you? So I was in Northeast Iowa, Waterloo, Iowa, which is not not a place where, where most people would assume that, uh, that that would, that would happen. I mean, most people, I think, you know, think it's a, a country bumpkin area where, uh, you know, just a bunch of corn fed white boys, you know, riding the bus from the farms into, into high school playing football or wrestling or whatever. But, uh, you know, that town in particular, not a big town, it's a, uh, twin cities with Cedar Falls and, you know, the, the, the mean or the, the collective uh, total is probably 130,000, 150,000 maybe between uh, kind of the whole area. But so not a, not a huge booming metropolis by any stretch. But, uh, but the thing is, is it's, it's only a, a couple hours from Chicago, a few hours from St. Louis, a few hours from Minneapolis, a few hours from, from Milwaukee, a few hours from Kansas city. So, I mean, it's pretty centrally located in terms of, of influence of, of drugs and gangs right. and, uh, and, you know, some nefarious shit like that. So, uh, in any event, um, I, you know, I was a freshman in high school. I was five foot four, 105 pounds, uh, just a, a beast of a, of a child. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a Friday and, and I was on the swim team. And so this was an initiation thing where you had to wear slacks and a, and a button up shirt and a tie. And then you had to wear your sw- your speedo swimsuit over top of your pants. And, uh, and then wear, Good times. wear, yeah, where uh, where you know a cap and goggles and and just get get messed with and whatever. But uh, I was coming back from lunch and uh, there was a big big you know race riot basically where there was uh, just a big big gaggle of of dudes running up and down the hallways uh, beating the shit out of anybody that was white and I got got in the middle of it and uh, and got got the shit beat out of me. Wow! Um, you know by by about forty forty guys and um, oh my gosh and and. He, you know, so for me, it, it was uh, it was a huge turning point in terms of um, you know to to go back to school after that, um, and especially based on on the, the response or lack of response from the administration of the high school at the time. Uh, you know, I, I was I was scared to death. You know, to to go back to school. Basically, I, I was would like, you know, Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, being being that age and and that size, just getting getting throttled in the in the hallway. It was actually it was in a stairwell. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for me, it was just, it, it was overcoming that fear of, of, you know, the last thing I want to do is go back to school. I'm fucking scared, scared to do it. I don't want to do it. I, you know, it's the, it's half animosity, half, uh, you know, fear of, of the unknown. And, and, 
you know, I, I just, it was one of those things where even though I was, I was incredibly scared, I, I went anyway and, and, uh, you know, had, had a couple other close calls and, and interactions rather, um, you know, throughout the rest of that year and, and whatever, but, uh, came back the next year. And I mean, not, not that I really had a choice, I guess. I mean, I, I, I suppose I could have transferred schools or tried, tried to go to a private school or, or homeschooled or something, but, um, you know, and, and again, looking back on it, I mean, considering what, what we've all done since then, like it's, you know, big deal, you know, shit like that happens out of, out no, of the No, that's a the big time. deal, bro. For 14 it's, years uh, old and getting hammered. I, I'm curious. I, yeah. I hate to cut you off, Mike, but I'm so curious what, you know, that, after you recovered, because I'm sure it took days to recover from those injuries, you know, it, was it someone who said you got to go back or was it yourself? Did you say, I've got to do this? Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you asked that. I mean, so my, my dad was always a, a very influential uh, person. I mean, both my parents were both very, very good parents, very supportive and, and just did it right. You know, a good, good balance of being hard enough when they needed to be, but uh, relaxed enough to where, um, you know, it wasn't like, you despised them because they were such hard asses. You know, they just, they, they did it right. And I try to emulate their, their parenting styles as best I can. But, you know, my dad just said, look, you know, you know, life sucks. It's not fair. Sometimes you get the short end of the stick. Um, you know, but, but here's the deal is that, uh, you've got to face it. You know, if you fall off a horse, you get back on it, you get bit by a dog, you, you grab the leash and take them for a walk. You fall off your bike, you get up and, and, and start riding it again. You get your ass kicked at school. You go back and face the people who did it. Uh, you know, he said there, there's never going to be, uh, or there's not always going to be somebody that can help you out or have your back or whatever. You know, ultimately you, you've got to take care of you first. And, and if you can't do that, then nobody will. And, wow. and so you, you've got to just get your ass back there and, and go. He said, I know you're scared. I know it sucks. Uh, but, but you, you gotta, you gotta saddle up and, and get back there and do it anyway. And, and I did. And, and, uh, you know, so it was, a for me, it was, it was absolutely a life-changing moment in terms of from that day forward, my focus in terms of wanting to do something special, not to, to take the, uh, <laughs> that sucked me in too, bud. Yeah. But you know, it did. I just, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do something and, and, you know, prove that, uh, that I can do it or, or that this isn't going to negatively impact me or, or whatever. And, uh, and so I, it, it, it gave me uh, you know, a pretty linear focus in terms of, of wanting to, to join the SEAL teams. And, and I, I worked my ass off. I mean, I, I ate really, really clean. I, I, you know, got up, you know, early and worked out and, and swam and ran and did, you know, I, I bought some of the, the Bud's, Bud's PT, uh, <laughs> cheesy books out at the time and, and DVDs Sign an option, or baby. Sign an option. Discovery Channel, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, CJ, CJ Karachi's Bud's PT. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It had a, a huge impact on me in terms of, of really giving me that, that, uh, that, that fire, that intensity to, uh, you know, to really do it. And that's something that, you know, several years later, I mean, cause I, I joined buds at, at, or joined the Navy at 17. And as soon as I turned 18, I graduated high school and then was still 17. I turned 18 in the, in the summer and then went to boot camp right after, um, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, I remember going into hell week and, and, uh, just facing the different challenges and obstacles that buds are getting hurt or, or, uh, you know, failing things or whatever. And, and just always remembering like my dad saying that and, and thinking to myself, like, you know, even though I'm here for me and this is something I want to do, like the thought of, of, you know, getting on the payphone back at the time in the nineties, which, you know, I'd call my parents every, every Sunday night from the payphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The payphone um, bank right there around the, 
Yeah, you know, so, you know, to, the thought of of calling back and, and telling him that I that I had hung it up like that just that was not not going to happen, you know. And it, it had nothing to do with pressure from him or or you know even an expectation really. It, it was just a hundred percent, you know, the the fact that that he was there for me and and taught me a good dust yourself off and get back in the game life lesson. And, and I wanted to to honor honor his uh, his his teaching, I guess. That's uh, so you know, cool. And, and make but um, you know, so so yeah, it just it had a it had a big big impact on on a lot of things. I mean, really, because it, that's to me that's kind of a defining moment at, at that age and and with circumstances like that to to be faced with with something that you know whether it's a big deal to anybody else or not. I mean, it's it's in the eye of the beholder, and, and to me, it was it was a huge deal. And oh, brother, um, dude, I just I just finished uh, my my third kid's book, which is a book on bullying. And, you know, there are the loose statistic is that there are 175,000 kids in America that stay home every single day because they're afraid to go to school. So it's a massive thing that you did at that age to go back. Yeah, it's a, you know, it is a big deal. And, and, you know, the, the, the interesting tie in to to dogs, and this is, again, you know, whether or not it was foreshadowing or I've drawn it from that at the time or, or not, I, I couldn't even tell you, I'm sure it has, has an impact, but you know, the, the reality of, of dog training is that, um, you know, your, your ability to train a dog doesn't, doesn't lie in how you perceive things, you know, it doesn't, because I can think something's a big deal or legitimate or not to a dog. It doesn't matter what I think. What matters is how he perceives the training session, the environment, the reality around him. And so, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's an important aspect, you know, in terms of, of showing empathy and, and understanding for everybody. I don't care if it's kids, coworkers, uh, you know, your boss, your, your kids, spouse, whatever dogs is being able to relate and, and actually step inside their, their perspective and say, okay, how, how, how is this person viewing what's going on? Cause that's, what's important. It doesn't matter what I think. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's, that's really cool to know. And, and I think our, our, our audience is understanding it too, but all right, Mike, well, one of the, one of the things I, I guarantee that people that are listening right now, they, they're hearing this incredible story about your childhood, then in Buds and that pivotal moment, getting to Team 3, being surrounded by truly hard men, and then, you know, 9-11 and going to combat. When did that moment happen in your life, and what were the circumstances, if people haven't found your book yet, to develop your skill sets as a dog handler and trainer and, and really finding your long-term passion and commitment in life? When did that happen and how to go down? So there's, it's kind of a two-stage answer uh, to the question in terms of, you know, growing up in Iowa, there, there's not a lot to do other than to, to duck hunt, uh, wrestle, and, and get in trouble, basically. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I was a swimmer. My dad was a, was a wrestler and, uh, and, and wasn't real crazy about any of, of me or my brothers wrestling because it, it had hammered his ass so bad and he could, could barely walk as a, as a 35 year old. So we wow. all swam and, uh, but I, I was just, I was always a dog guy growing up. Uh, I was into labs though. And, and back then, um, you know, in terms of the kind of the, the nuts and bolts of the psychology and the, and the more progressive science driven training methodologies that we rely a lot heavier on now, uh, weren't weren't nearly as prominent back then, and so it was uh, it was a lot more just half-assed and and kind of uh, old wives' tale. Or well, this guy said you know if the dog has this on his tongue, he can do that, or you know just stupid backwoods crap like that. And and uh, you know so you know for me it was just it was an appreciation that I had uh, for for two things. One was the loyalty of of the dogs. Oh. Uh, they're 
their interaction with people. Uh, you know, one of the jokes that I, I usually open most of my uh, speeches with is, how do you find out if your wife or your dog loves you more? Lock both of them in the trunk of your car for two hours, and when you pop it open, who's happy who's to see happy you? Who's happy to see you, brother? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> man. My granddad said that's the hate. Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, the, the, the fact is, is that there, there is, there's that, that just that almost, not blind, but almost blind allegiance to, uh, you know, to, to the owner, to the handler, whatever, that I just always appreciated. And, and you know, haven't been messed with a lot as a kid and, and not just the uh, time in high school, but there's a you know a few times growing up in junior high and, and prior to that that, uh, you know, that I got messed with or picked on or whatever. And, and you know, every every day when I came home, at the time, it was a black lab that, uh, you know, he just, he, he was like, he was my boy, you know, and, and so I just, I, I always had a, a passion for them and a, and a, a connection to dogs in general, but where it kind of crossed over into the, the performance aspect was I was always really observant watching him. Uh, my dad and I would go to, go to wooded areas or, or golf uh, courses in the wintertime and, and go for, you know, several hour long walks with the dog and just let them run and, and whatever. But I always watched how they used their nose and, and just how oh. incredible it was. Uh, you know, and we could be walking and, and, you know, he would all of a sudden do a head snap and you'd see him start sniffing, sniffing, uh, feverishly and would, would trail something 15 feet and then bam, start digging. And there'd be a, a half used frozen ketchup packet, like three feet under the snow, <laughs> you know, this, this dog digs up and starts trying to eat. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, how did, like, how do they do that? You know, it's just, I was always fascinated by, by their olfactory capabilities and, and how, you know, they would just dive into icy water to go retrieve a duck or, you know, just barrel through a, a thicket patch or through a barbed wire fence or whatever. And they just didn't give a shit. And, and, uh, so then, you know, when I first got into the SEAL teams, I, I got into hog dogs a little bit, same thing, just my, uh, I just had, had a, an enormous appreciation for the, for the grit and the heart and the courage of these dogs that would go, you know, go just nose first into a hole and, and drag something out or, or would go grab a hog that's five, six times its size with big huff and tusks oh. that, you know, would, would gore them or whatever. And, and they just didn't give a shit. I mean, they were fearless, you know, and then they would take an absolute ass whooping and just keep coming back. And, and that's where I really learned a lot of the animal husbandry aspects, the, the genetic component and breeding theory and, uh, animal husbandry in terms of, of, uh, you know, veterinary science and antibiotic therapy and, uh, nutrition and conditioning and things like that, which strangely enough, I, I implemented a lot of that into, uh, into the, the working dog community when I went out on the West Coast as, uh, as one of the multi-purpose canine trainers for the, for the West Coast teams. Wow. Uh, in terms of condi- conditioning and nutrition, things that I had learned, you know, conditioning uh, dogs for hog hunting. And, mm-hmm. and, um, but in terms of the, that's the first part of the question is that kind of set the stage for it. But then uh, on an Iraq deployment, there was a group of Marines uh, in the same area of northern Iraq that we were at. Um, and they had a, an explosive dog detection dog with them and, and they're getting ready to enter a cave complex. And, uh, and they had this dog with them that snaked back and forth and, and ended up indicating right inside the doorway that there was, uh, explosive odor present and, uh, and, you know, un- unquestionably saved, you know, a number of those guys lives. And, and for me, that was the, the light switch moment for, for getting into dogs is that, you know, as a, as a SEAL team operator, we had been in situations like that hundreds, if not thousands of times and then never had a dog with us. Wow. And, and I just thought felt like, Jesus Christ, why are we, why do we not have a dog with us? Yeah. And, right. uh, and for me, that was just that, that was the nail in the coffin, if you will, in terms of, you know, from that day forward back in, you know, in Oh three, uh, until, as I sit here with you guys today, I, I have just 
eat, lived, uh, breathed, shit, slept, uh, dogs and, and trained with everybody I can train, read every book I could, watched any video series I could, gone to any training seminar I could. I've, I've been all over the world and trained with, uh, you know, all different sorts of, of police and anti-terrorism groups, uh, both, you know, primarily on, on, you know, my work with the government, but, uh, but even, uh, prior to and after just, you know, being in, in the industry, there's, there's always, you know, some connections there, but, I uh, just I couldn't get enough of it, and and I ended up, um, you know, in in terms of the the West Coast program, which is you know what I was interested in becoming a part of uh, as I was getting out. It's basically when when the program uh, was kind of in full swing back in in '07, uh, or starting to come up into full swing. You know, they they offered me a position as a handler there, um, and and so for me that was that was the pivot moment for me professionally in terms of right trying to decide, you know, do I want to stay in and be a handler and, and, you know, have one dog and, and one guy relationship and, and deploy and do that? Uh, or do I want to get out, start my own company and, and kind of expand that way? And I, I've always looked at life from a, uh, theoretically getting the most bang for my buck and, and how, how can I make the biggest impact possible based on my decision? Not, not necessarily what's going to gratify me the most, Right, uh, or make it make me the happiest. Like, what what am I going to get the most out of? You know, from a, a cost benefit analysis, if you will. And for me, un- undoubtedly, as much as I wanted to stay in and just deploy with a dog and, and just have one dog to worry about and, and go do sexy deployments as a dog handler, uh, I knew that that getting out and starting my own company and being able to provide dozens or hundreds of dogs and, and put on training courses and, and ultimately, um, you know, the kind of the the crux or, or the uh, you know, the, the pivotal or not pivotal, but just the, the shining moment for me professionally was, you know, after I had been out for a few years and, and had done some other government contracts, uh, you know, for, for dog programs, right. uh, police, et cetera, is, is being able to go back and, and be a, a trainer for the West coast multi-purpose canine program. Uh, and you know, some of the handlers were guys that I was at three with, some of them I was instructors with, you That's know, so, cool. and guys that I've been, been to war with. And now, you know, I'm tasked with, with finding and, and sourcing, selecting, uh, you know, these dogs, training them, training the handlers, handing the leash over, and, and I'm responsible for, uh, you know, for handing this dog over to these guys that are going to be depending on that dog with their life. Uh, and That's so for so me, it, cool. it, it, right. yeah, it's just, it was, it was really the crux of, of everything of, of really validating and vindicating my decision to get out and, and, and do more than just be a handler, not to say that there's, uh, not anything wrong with that. that though he developed a position in the SEAL teams well no that's what I think is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, is that's radical just, that's cool man. in my mind it's just that's you know that's that's whatever what you want to call it, fate destiny God I, you know I it yeah. for Mike it was just driven by this passion and what I love most about your story too Mike is you know it 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 is that and, and I remember the first time we'd we had, we'd seen each other a few years back for that Navy SEAL Foundation thing we did again. We went and had lunch, and you know I was like, "So what have you been doing?" <laughs> and and we sat for three hours while you talked about dog psychology and and your passion for it and what's the beautiful aspects of dogs and 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 when they're properly trained to what you know what they what they're truly capable of. And and I was blown away by that. You know, just your passion for it, but. What was also amazing is just, you know, when you start talking about that, the different types of conditioning and what you can actually get a dog to do. So could you talk a little bit about, you know, why are the dogs that you work with, 
you know, why can why are they able to do what they can do? Sure. So the the gist of it is that you know if you think about the the parallel between dogs and and humans, it's it's almost uncanny. I mean, most of the questions that that people ask me, you could just ask yourself, well, how would it work, you know, on the human component? And there's pretty much your answer, almost entirely. Um, obviously, there's a few exceptions in terms of verbal communication, and that's unquestionably the the, the starkest of contrasts when it comes to to dogs and people, which I'll get into in a minute, but. Um, you know, when, when people want to know, you know, how, what do you look for in, in a dog, you know, for, for a SEAL team? Well, the same thing I look for in a person, uh, you know, basically is that they've got to have supreme everything. Um, you know, they, they've got to have, you know, just an, an exorbitant amount of confidence. Uh, they've got to walk around everywhere like they own the place. Uh, if you push them, they push back harder. Uh, you know, athletically, they've got to be gifted um you know they've got to be able to use their nose they've got to have prey drive they've got to have environmental stability they have to be social enough to be able to integrate into a into a working team but but uh you know have enough backbone and and strength of character to where you know if a grown-ass man comes and and open hand slaps the shit out of him he'll he'll be wearing him for doing it (laughs) um you know and so you know, it, it's it's the, the the neat thing about explaining it to guys like you is that you, you get it more than anybody right. just because it's it, it's it's really it's a dog that's that's the canine version of guys like us. That's is cool. really what you're looking for. Is just you know a dog that has ultimately just has heart. You know, I mean that, that's the biggest thing. And, and you know, a lot. Of, well, one quick of the question. Let, I, I want, let me jump in. I, I got to interrupt because when you say heart. I mean, that's, it, it, and, and I think, and I know you, you know what I'm talking about when I make this, this, this translation for our listeners. I mean, heart, in my mind, is the essential ignition point for the never quit mindset. So do, do, do these animals, do they innately possess that never quit drive or do you have to teach it and pull it out of them? Well, so it's, it's, uh, percentage wise, it's, it's about like human beings, you know, it's a a fraction of a percentage. Most dogs don't have it. Wow. Um, you know, and, and I, and I think that it's, I mean, it's counterintuitive to assume that, that both in humans or any animal for that matter. And that when you possess that, that character trait, uh, one, I think it's an anomaly just from a percentage standpoint, but two, uh, it's not conducive to, um, to the propensity of, of, of continuing on gene pools, wow. you know, uh, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a lack of, of, of self preservation. So, um, you know, it, it, it is rare and, and it should be rare and it kind of has to be rare. I think, you know, again, both in humans and, uh, and in dogs or any animals and that when you possess that, uh, the likelihood of you perpetuating your genetic code is drastically reduced, you know, which huh. in turn means that there's not going to be much of it around either. I mean, you said the parallels with dogs and humans and most, most animals is almost exactly the same. But just like humans, man, you have some that are just raring and, I mean, are in tune with their instinct and ones that are docile. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I think, I mean, if anything, I'd say it's, you know, with, with, with animals, while it's, it's absolutely more rare than it is, or absolutely uh, more rare than not, um, you know, with humans being you know, uh, not to get too scientific, but, uh, basically we're, we're socially bred animals. Right. Uh, you know, we're, we, you know, most people don't perpetuate offspring based on all of the traits that are going to make, uh, those offspring survive, uh, in a more, in a, in a higher capacity. You know, it has a lot to do with social factors and, and intelligence and, but, uh, 
but yeah, you know, you're you're looking for for that dog that that uh, that you can't, you know, to answer the second part of your question when you say, you know, can you can you train that and pull that out of them? No, uh, no, no different than you can't train somebody to graduate buds. You know, it, it's a selection test, and and they either have it or they don't. Wow. Uh, I wish that there was a way to to train a dog. It's one of the most common things. Hey, can I send my you know my golden retriever to you and you teach him how to be a protection dog? No, not any more than I could take you know, a, a beta male, you know, 28 year old guy that's sitting at, at Chili's. And if I walk up to him and slap the shit out of him for no reason, and, and he won't fight me, I, I, you can put him with the best boxers, MMA coaches, professional soldiers in the world and spend five years training him. He still does not have what it takes to be a warrior and, and he never will. You know? And, and so with dogs, it's, it's absolutely no different. And, and unfortunately, the only way you find that out is by testing them and, and you got to be pretty hard on them. You know, you put them in some some pretty precarious situations that, uh, you know, that are, are not easy. They're very stressful. You know, they don't, they don't injure the dog. Uh, but, but it puts them through a lot, but it, it has to, you know, if, if my expectation or our, our expectation of the dog is to be able to send him into, uh, you know, a foreign environment that he's never been into by himself, uh, and, and combat, uh, a human being that's four or five, six times his size, that's, physically capable, uh, that, that is not scared of him and is intent on hurting him. The reality of it is, is you've got to have a bad son of a bitch to deal with somebody like that. You wow. know? And the only, the only way you find that out is by putting them through a very, very similar situation and, and, and checking their oil essentially and seeing if they have what it takes. And if they do, then yes, from that point on, if I know deep down that that dog has the grit and the heart and the confidence that, that he needs genetically, Yes, I can teach him how to fight more effectively and be more more efficient and be even more lethal in terms of neutralizing that threat. But if it's not there, no different than I could spend five years with Tiger Woods. I'm not going to be a scratch golfer. I just suck at it. Um, <laughs> you know, no, no different than that. Like if he doesn't have that that bare, you know, basic set of of genetic tools that that again they're either there, they're either present or they're not. Uh, if they are, I can teach it. If, uh, if they're not, I'm, I'm wasting my time and, and he's never going to be what he needs to be. But, well, that's um, awesome. I mean, that's, that's, that's really cool to know. And, and I think our, our, our audience is understanding it too, but there's always a component though, that, you know, I, I think you have to understand within the human condition, you are going to be, regardless whether you're alpha or beta or whatever you're going to do, you're always going to be called on to face adversity, to overcome an obstacle that you can. I mean, not everybody obviously is going to become a Navy SEAL or be a, a world-class dog trainer, but at the same time, people do need skill sets in order to, you know, that to learn that never quit. So, Mike, based on, you know, your experiences that you've had, your greatest never quit stories, your what you do with understanding human and animal psychology – what are like two or three things that you can share with our guests, our listeners right now that can give them a little bit of spark to to start educating themselves on what they can do to learn that never quit mindset? Sure. So that's a great question. And it's one that, uh, you know, that that thankfully applies every day with what I with what I do with dogs. And, and the gist of it is. Uh, it, it's, it's a calculated exposure to stressful environments where you're, you're basically overlapping stress and stress relief in the dogs. It's, it's using prey drive and defensive drive and, and overlapping those two things to build or increase the threshold in which they can take pressure. Uh, and so with humans, it's no different in that. Sounds like uh, buzz. It, it, 
Yeah, and you know, buds or, or, or raising kids is a very, very apt, uh, you know, comparison. And that, you know, when when you see you know a five year old struggling with something, you know, there, there's a very, very uh, calculated way you can go about, you know, exposing them to just enough stress and pressure to where you know they can overcome it. But you know, not not so much to where it's going to make them crack and and break their spirit and ruin them, like I did with that dog years ago. Uh, but you're also not making it so easy on them to where it, it's not causing enough stress and, and a CNS response to actually, uh, you know, induce cortisol and adrenaline and, and things that, uh, you know, I think that naturally um, uh, adhere to being able to um, to be more conducive to, to breaking through that threshold. And so it's it, it's a very calculated way of, of basically just putting enough stress and enough pressure on them to challenge them but ultimately giving them, um, you know, a, a path forward so that they can overcome that. And then ultimately that builds their confidence. And with young dogs and with kids, it's especially apt And that uh, I see it with my kids all the time. And that, you know, if they're struggling with something or they're a little scared, like I'm not going to start screaming at them and just shove them and <laughs> make them do it. Uh, so hitting I'm, them with so, the hose at five and six is not a good yeah, idea. You're yeah. saying, <laughs> well, a child, child or an adult, it's the rush, right? When you, when they're in that moment, when you were saying, maybe think that those cortisols and all that stuff starts firing in you, man. It, and you're right. If you, if you can do it just enough to where it, it doesn't beat you down in the beginning, because it's new to you, so it's exciting right. as a child. Yeah. And then once all that the adrenaline and all those chemicals start flowing, man, same as in an adult, that rush is the same. And then if you. You see that happening and assist in that, man. That's what kind of, it's the hook. It's the want, right? Yeah. That makes them, then, yeah, they, when then they want it. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah it's hopefully. Like the, yeah, it's, it's like the thrill is in the chase kind of thing. And that, you know, you, you've got, uh, you, you've got an introduce an element of challenge. And, and because, because it's challenging and you overcome that challenge, it builds your confidence. Just like me, you think about, you know, your mentality. Um, and I was very fortunate to have been a buds instructor to see it on the other side of the curtain, but think about, you know, where your head was at on Sunday night before hell week started mm-hmm. versus Saturday morning when it was over and, and how, how different of a person you were in, in terms of your level of confidence. Like it's, I, I can't think of a, a, of a single event, uh, in, in most human beings lifetimes that, that will change and alter their, their level of confidence and their ability to take things on that previously they were intimidated by than hell week. Oh, there you know, I, in- I haven't found a program yet and I've been searching for 15 years. I've never even heard of one. Yeah. I mean, well, there, yeah. there's similar programs back in history with, with some other cultures, but you know, the, the aspect of, of, of a complete cultural recoding, you know, down to your, you know, your, your core processing, right. We're actually reallocating neuroplasticity towards this new mindset it doesn't exist in any greater place than in buds. And that's the, the miracle yeah. of the program. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and so, you know, like I said, whether it's raising kids or, or adults or, you know, the dog component, uh, and, and I hope this sheds a little bit of light on it from a performance aspect, because I, I think it's tangible in terms of really grasping what it is that I'm talking about is that for, for that heart component, when I teach a dog how to take pressure, basically the dog comes in to bite me, and he's in prey drive and, and prey drive relieves stress. Um, and when, when he's in defensive drive, it, it builds it. And so prey drive is him chasing. Everything's non-threatening. Think of a gazelle running away from, from a lion essentially is that's the prey drive aspect when the dog comes in to bite. The defensive is, 
um, you know, being stalked by the gazelle being stalked by, by the cheetah, by the lion and that feeling that he gets of, Oh shit, I, you know, here's the predator on the prey. I'm, I'm going to fight right. for my life or something pops out behind a car at two in the morning in a dark alley. Like that feeling that you have of, of you're a little bit nervous and, and you're, you're, you're fighting with a lot more adrenaline and realness and, and attitude than you would if you're just sparring with one of your buddies. And so the, the way we do it is, is again, it's very calculated. The dog comes in, he's in praise, nice and calm. He's relaxed. I start to dig into him. I put pressure on him. I'm watching his eyes, you know, his pupils. If they start to dilate and blow out, if his hair comes up, his tail goes down, his ears flatten back, uh, you know, depending on what his mouth is doing. Is it typewritering? Is it going deeper? Is he getting shallow? Is he starting to lighten up? All these little so nuanced cool. body language, all these nuanced little body language uh, components that I'm paying attention to based on what I'm doing or not doing also uh, is going to dictate, okay, now I start to put pressure on him. And it could be grabbing his face, it could be flanking his, his skin, picking him up by his tail, smothering him, laying on top of him, rolling over on him, you know, things that are going to make him uncomfortable, picking him up and, and stuffing him into, you know, into a trash can or pushing him against the wall uh, and, and building it. And once I'm, I'm paying very, very close attention to what that dog's body language is doing, and when I see that, that level of defensive stress start to rise to where he's right on the edge of where it's too much, at that point, and this is, this is the critical component, I think, to, to translate it to everybody, is that at that point you cannot back off, but you cannot put any more on either. You essentially go neutral and you wait. And, and the instant that that dog gives me the slightest bit of forward movement, whether it's countering in deeper, wrapping a paw around my back, uh, taking a step forward, you know, making fierce eye contact, whatever it is, at that point, I, I delve enormously back into prey drive and basically let him just completely dominate me like I'm, I'm the gazelle now back in the, in the lion's mouth. I scream, I squirm, I fall down, and I relieve all of that pressure, and, and I build his confidence. And I teach him that when he brings forward aggression to me, he wins and, and dominates me. And so over time, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly putting more and more pressure, and I'm building that threshold in which that dog can take more and more and more abuse. Now, you, just like with people and dogs, you're always going to be limited by the dog's genetic potential. Uh, and so that, you know, that's your, your pegging point. Um, you know, you, you can't go any further than that. But at a minimum, both in dogs and in human beings, I think we should all strive uh, to peg out our, our genetic potential uh, speedometer, if you will, and, and, and get to the best of our ability. And, and that's how we do it. That's how we do it in dogs. That's how I do it with my kids. Uh, is, is that you know you're just very very in a, in a very calculated manner you're you're adding elements of stress but but giving giving the subject um, in this case the human being you know a clear path forward and an ability to overcome that and ultimately gain confidence in doing so, brother. Dude, I love hearing Said you that talk, before. dude. <laughs> I love listening to you talk about this shit, Mike. It fires me up, dude. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it's something I, like I said, I, I've just lived it for, uh, you know, for 12, 13, 15 years. You know, it's just, uh, it's something that I, I, I love. I, shit, I don't like most people. So, I, you know, I deal with dogs. <laughs> a lot of great yeah. dog trainers say that, you know, I don't like people. So, yeah. I, I got a for just for a best piece of advice to give somebody, right? When they get a dog and they're starting to train them on the obedience side of it. Uh, I mean, yeah. you, 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 I, I think a lot of people, like to hear that. I know Absolutely. I would. I mean, I, I got a piece of advice from one of my buddies of mine. He's like, I always imagine that, I mean, you, the dog speaks a different language or doesn't understand the language yeah. that you're speaking in the beginning. So when you're trying to start training them and they don't do what you say, people, human, you know, you get frustrated at them and scold them, but that the, the patience is the biggest thing. And I, man, I bet you got sure. plenty of that. 
Yeah, well, so the I guess I'm going to throw in two shameless plugs just because it's apt. But uh, you know, on, on MikeRitland.com, I actually started just a couple months ago. Basically, exactly what you're talking about is for people that you know they want to do it themselves. Uh, they're not quite sure how to go about it. It's just it's a monthly training subscription, basically, and and uh, you know there's there's videos every month, and it starts off just in the very basic like this is how you interact with your dog, which is what I'm going to get into here in a minute, but. Uh, so that MikeRitland.com, you can subscribe to that, or you can just buy Team Dog. They're, they're both good. Uh, the videos are probably a little better for for the instruction uh, to be able to watch it, and you can interact with me on the forums. But th- there's a couple of things. Um, the, the gist of it ultimately is, is three main components. Number one is consistency. Um, you know, just like in any other aspect of your life, you've got to be consistent with your dog because you can't explain anything to them. Uh, you know, your, your two ways to communicate are through, you know, rapid or, or multiple repetitions of reinforcement uh, and also communicating with, with body language. If you think about how verbal we are as, as human beings, you know, we, we can sit in a, in a bar scenario, for example, and you can watch two guys meet or, or standing there watching them interact. And you can tell, uh, again, without hearing a word that they're saying from 50 feet away, if it's a friendly conversation or if they're getting ready to fight, right? I mean, it's right. as plain as day. And so, for so, if you think about it from this component, is that as verbal as we are as human beings, as easy as it is for us to to visualize that and and be able to uh, to to receive that information or or decipher that that body language, uh, even as verbal as we are, now imagine a dog who does not speak really at all. Ninety nine point eight percent of all of their communication is all nonverbal, all through body language. Uh, and so you, you've got to be cognizant of, of how you carry yourself because, you, you know, your dog doesn't understand that you're his owner or trainer or that you're the one running the show. You have to, you have to show him that. Wow. Uh, one of the best, one of the best analogies I can give to people to, to the, the shortest way to answer your question is that if you think about, let's say you work in corporate America uh, and your, your boss or whoever tasks you with saying, you know, Hey, you're going to go in front of the top 12 executives of, of the of the company, and you're going to give the presentation that your career depends on. If it goes well, you're getting a promotion. You're going to be one of us. If it goes poorly, your shit can beat it. Uh, so now I want you to think about how would you walk into that uh, to that boardroom to give that presentation. Think about the eye contact. Think about how you'd carry yourself, how you would talk, just the the exudation, if you will, of of every every part of your essence of what you want them to get from you, vibe wise. Uh, now, now ask yourself if you if you went into that boardroom and you interacted with those twelve people the same way that you interact with your dog, how would that presentation go? And and if the answer is Christ, I'd get laughed out of there. That's that's the problem why your dog doesn't look at you like you're the man because you're not showing him that you are. You know, your, your, your dog is always going to look at you the way you present yourself to him. And if that's as an emotionally unstable, uh, you know, fervent child, um, you know, then he's going to, he's going to view you and and respect you that way. Uh, and so you, you've got to always carry yourself. It's not about being dominant or violent or being this, you know, a word that gets thrown around a lot is, is, is being alpha. Uh, it's not so much about, you know, turning it into that. It's, It's very simply about, about carrying yourself a certain way and, and, and bringing that to the table so that the dog understands who it is that you are in the relationship. Um, you know, and so that's, that's really the, the backbone of it is, is you've got to, you've got to, you know, communicate to them with body language first and foremost, so they understand. Uh, and then when they do the right things, it gets reinforced, you know, it, it gets, it gets marked and reinforced. And I use a, a marker 
uh, a clicker so that when the dog does something right, it, it gets marked with a click and then he, he gets rewarded for it. And, and that's how you talk to them uh, so that they understand what the, what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Because when they're confused, uh, you know, they, they're not going to, they don't know what your expectations are. And again, it's, you know, from, from the first part of our conversation is that, you know, when, when, uh, when you're, when you're training a dog, just like when you're raising kids or, or training shooters or whatever, you've got to be able to, uh, to look at it from their perspective. And if your dog doesn't understand what's expected of him, you cannot expect him to know it and then punish him for not doing it. And that's the biggest prophecy that, that people do is that they know they want the dog to sit. The dog doesn't understand what sit means. And so they're sitting here trying to punish the dog for not understanding. No different than, you know, you, you wouldn't put a, an algebra book down in front of a five-year-old and start smacking him for not knowing what the answer is. Uh, you know, so, I just told my dad that. Yeah. Well, I love but, that, uh, Mike. I mean, you know, it's amazing the amount of knowledge that you have. And it's just been such a pleasure listening to you. And, and it was funny, as you were sitting here, uh, Rigby, Marcus's uh, service dog, came in and and started getting a little loving on them, and uh, it was so appropriate. It was almost like it was meant to be, man. So how can people, as we wrap up now, how can people, where can they go to find you, follow you, learn more about you? Where can they buy your books? All that stuff, Mike. Sure. Uh, so like, like I said, MikeRitland.com um, is, is the training website. Tricos.com is the, is the dog website in terms of purchasing dogs or uh, or lining up uh, me to come do training seminars or things of that nature. Uh, Facebook, it's uh, you know just Mike Ritland on Facebook. Uh, I think it's M Ritland on uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you know they're all pretty pretty congruent or, or synergistic rather in terms of the content that we put out. But uh, and then the Warrior Dog Foundation, of course, is the nonprofit that I started uh, six years ago. That uh, we retire uh, for mostly former special operations dogs that was done police dogs and, and contract working dogs and regular MWDs as well as, as you know, being a, an active uh, sanctuary, a, a no-kill sanctuary for those dogs once they've, they've served and don't have anywhere else to go. But, um, yeah, the, the, in terms of the books, you know, Amazon's probably the easiest way to order it. Uh, Team Dog is the is the training book. Uh, Trident Canine Warriors and Navy Seal Dogs, they're, it's essentially the same book. Navy Seal Dogs is the is the young adult version of Trident Canine Warriors, but uh, all three versions are uh, are on audiobook and uh, and on Amazon, or you can get it through Barnes and Noble if you like to. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty much the gist of it. And and uh, well, like, well, we appreciate awesome, you, yeah, man. man. We love you so much, Mike. Thanks for coming on and dropping knowledge. And uh, I look forward to in the future. I know Marcus says we're going to get you back on, and we're going to talk about dog training. Maybe you can give us the greatest never quit story of a dog you know of. You, you know, I think that'd be cool, yeah, man. I'd love to. I I know, yeah, that. I mean, I, I would imagine that the guys, well, I'm, I'm sure you'll have an honor wall already that's just stacked full of full of it. But, yeah, that'd be cool to hear one because those dogs, man, they're still, yeah. A bunch of those yeah. stories. Right? So, yeah, no, I've, I've got, there's, there's a ton of them, so I'd, I'd be happy to share them. You got it. All right, brother. Well, God bless you. Keep doing what you're doing, man. And, and thanks for coming on, Mike. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Dude, I, I, I've never. Like I was just in college getting a class on. <laughs> I was just four hundred economics or something. You know, just kind of like, more, more like four hundred psychology. Psychology, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Everything in there, and just kind of. 
What did I, I say? Economics? Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah. For, yeah. It's all right. I got you. I knew what you meant. Dude, I tell you, man, that first time I, I ran into him since I'd seen him in train, you know, out on the West Coast, and he dropped three hours of knowledge on me about dog psychology and training. Bro, I was blown away. And it's, you know, Mike is, what's interesting about Mike is he's that monotone guy. Oh, That's yeah. his tone. It's always his tone. Your house is on fire. <laughs> okay. Step one, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. You know, I mean, that's Mike. It's always been Mike. But the dude, when you see him talking, you you see him with those dogs, bro, it's like there's no greater passion in the world. You, you got to think, man, that to understand and be able to, to do what he does with animal. I used to understand animal instinct, man. You understand humans pretty good, too. Absolutely. At least <clears> in, in the, it's... Primitive form. So, when so you strip a, away yeah. all the white noise and humans, what they're capable of and, what, and where they can go. It's basically, the, it's operant conditioning, right? In, in our behavioral aspects. And, and I'm a big fan of operant conditioning. When you look at our program, you look at SEAL training, it's basically one of the most sophisticated operate conditioning programs there yep. is, right? Negative rewarding, positive rewarding. Best dog training yeah. on the planet. <laughs> and we were a bunch of dogs. Yeah, we were. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Best dog training the on the planet. dogs of war, right? Well, so I, you know, it's just really cool to hear a guy that's been able to take this, this, you know, this passion, take, turn it into this great business and really to get out there and teach, you know, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people how to handle their animals in a more productive way. And that's cool, man. That's really cool. And like we were just talking about, he puts in operators just, just like everybody other who, who feeds the SEAL teams. Oh, that's what he does. I oh, mean, he puts in operators and so talk to the guys do. who get uh, attached to his dogs, man, they're. I'm, Larry, the cable guy, has one of his dogs. Says it was one of the greatest uh, experiences on a planet, man. He says working with Mike was just unbelievable. So I, 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 there are other stories. He had one, you know, really wealthy dude uh, where Mike actually flew over to Austria, found the breeder, uh, saw the dog, watched the dog, you know, brought the dog back over, trained the dog up through the amount of time, went with this guy, spent a month with him, lived with him. I mean that's that's a hundred twenty five thousand dollar process right there. Yeah, and that's what he does because he loves you know making sure that though you heard when he talked about ruining an animal man. Yeah, I mean I that that's painful to him. Sure, breaking a spirit like oh, that. Oh, bro, and 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 you know how much an animal means to you. I mean, look at you and Rigby, bro. Yeah. I, I I mean I you know I remember pretty unbelievable so when you when you get attached to a dog. Like that, because growing up, we had labs growing up and dogs, and and growing up on the ranch, and whatnot. But and and most people who have pets, you, you see them in the morning, then you leave and see them in the afternoon. Yeah. Get the weekends with them, take them for a walk and everything. But when you when you're a, a have a a dog that's a partner, so you have two lifetimes with him. Yeah, basically. And you you get when you get to know them, and they're they're just integrated into you. Uh, and you pick up their little mannerisms, and then they pick up yours, and you feed off each other. It's it's, it's a great partnership, man. And I, I you know he's my best friend. Riggs, well, I, that that dude, I, <laughs> I, it's funny. I came downstairs, you know, a little bit ago. I saw you on the couch with him, and that bond is just—it's like you said. It's what Mike talked about—that loyalty, that yep. trust with him. And and you know what I—I I remember the first time I actually saw you with Rigby. I think we were at some LSF event, and I think in Chicago. And and Rig, you came out and were speaking, and Rigby, you know, circled and looked and was watching you, and came up next to you, and and I was just like, my God, that's and. That's the beautiful aspect of that type of relationship, right? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it was when we first got paired up together, I had him on the leash because we started this life together. Like, I, I got in the military, I had Daisy, she got killed, and then I got Mr. Rigby, and then books, movies, the speaking, all that stuff kind of. So, we learned how to do this together. And I mean, him 
all those years traveling on on those airplanes and uh, everything, all the hotel, everywhere. He's world traveler. I mean, it got to the point where people were like, hey, where's, you know, I don't see Riggs. I was like, oh, he's over here somewhere, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. when I took him off the leash, because it got to a point to where as soon as he's vested up, man, he knows where he's supposed to be, right At by my times, leg. Right. Yeah, so I just kind of move around and just to, to watch him get smarter. You know, I mean, the things that dogs are capable, I think he's probably well over 120 commands now, and that's just the stuff wow. when he's vested up. And, right. And, uh, then he retired himself. I mean, I, you know that deal. I came home to change my suitcases out. And normally, he grabs his vest when we're leaving. Right. And he's just kind of—he's like, "I think I'm gonna sit this one out, brother." <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? Was that did that hurt was, a little yeah, bit? That was a little difficult. Yeah. I knew what was going on, and I watching his age and everything because he still moves around great. He's just tired. I mean, oh, dude, he went for a run with me all the way out to the gate and back <laughs> oh, yeah. yesterday. Yeah. So uh, he just didn't want to get on that plane. Yeah. And uh, I came back, and then we went two more times. And then he, he 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 stayed back for a week. I remember this. I mean, pretty. Yeah, 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 I was yeah, sat yeah. in there. And then he went one more time with me. That was and it. That was it. And now it's up in the morning. And he wakes me up when he's he's ready to eat. And then it, uh, he'll especially when the weather changes. He's outside me and a dog. He's All a lab. Day, oh yeah. yeah. And he'll That's come cool. back in in the afternoon hungry. He did his time. He did <laughs> yeah. his time. Well, it's you know what kills me though so often is I, I you know I I see my brothers who have dogs like Paul and King and, oh, yeah. and, and you know and Pete and a bunch of other people that that have these beautiful wonderful dogs but then I'll be like in the airport man and I'll see some little Chihuahua or Pomeranian with a service dog thing on with somebody that has to do everything for the dog and it makes my guts hurt man but you know and, yeah, and I don't want to be judgmental there's a no no but it's I, like, yeah, I get man, that you know what's sure. going on out there why are people abusing this when it really is an, a necessity for so many of us. Yeah, I was uh, I was listening to Cowboy Dave on the radio, and he was I think I think it was him or, or I forget where I'd heard this. They were talking about uh, somebody had brought a, a duck on the plane for a, a service animal and a and a monkey, and then I think Mel was on a plane one time. They had a Great Dane. No, a Great Dane. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's like galloping a horse up on the plane there. <laughs> takes two seats yeah, Remy gets on slides you don't even I've, I mean, most flights people just when, right. we, when we land he, he'd sit up and they'd be like I didn't even know there's a dog there I'm like that's the point yeah you have no idea he really exists right. and he just kind of moves around autonomously but yeah it can um, they're spreading it a little thin I think they can take advantage of the situation for sure no, yeah. Remy's born in the schoolhouse I had to go down and live with him work with him you, you could tell the difference in the dog so can the people at the airports on the planes I mean they everyone it, it's funny Americans are great they let stuff slide. I mean, is it that big of a deal? <laughs> no, nah, it ain't causing. It, it, you know, we let it slide, and then when it's a, every, when it ha something happens, everybody complains about, it, and they already knew about it. But yeah, you yeah, know, we're just kind of generous people. It's we just are like, generous. Hey, man, if dudes, if he's got something going on enough, he's got to bring a damn duck on the plane. I, <laughs> I probably couldn't help him anyways. You know what I mean? I, I, that's kind of the way you look at it. And I just oh. sit over there and, and, and do your deal, bro. You know, go. Peace. Go with God. Yeah, yeah. Go with God on your service, Duck. Well, listen, I, I think it was just a fabulous show. Uh, it was such an honor to have Mike on and to, to do that discussion. And it makes me just want to get home fast and be with my dog, Zulu, my Rhodesian, and uh, really just give him some more time and love that he deserves for sure. Um, thank you for coming on board with us on this show and listening. Also, thank you again for making us one of the top podcasts of 2016 on iTunes. We can't thank you enough. Uh, you know, our mission here, obviously, and, and by now, if you're a loyal listener, is to help you discover the never quit inside you. That's why Marcus and I do this. We do it because we have a passion to help people around the world 
Try and recognize that they too can overcome the obstacles of life. They can face adversity. They can, they can, they can win and succeed in the combat of life and defeat the negative insurgency while doing it. We all possess that skills and those skill sets. So hopefully you're, you've heard something special with Mike Ritland. Um, I, I just want to say, as we always end the show, if oh, before I go there, please, if you want to know more, visit the website at TNQ dot, uh, TNQpodcast.com. Follow us on uh, Instagram, on, on Twitter, on Facebook, and, and share the message with your friends. And if you really are, are, are moved by what you hear today, then on our website, write in and, and share your story with us or share with somebody that you admire their never quit story of stuff. And if they're good, what are we going to do, Marcus? Bring them on. We're going to bring them on. At the minimum, if they're good, we're going to read them here on the show uh, to share that story and try and help as many people as we can. So thank you so much for, I want to give thanks to God. I want to give thanks to Christ in my life. Uh, I want to give thanks to uh, my family, my my girls, my my mother and father, my brother, all those in my life that mean the most right now, uh, Sean and Gabe. And I want to thank uh, Marcus and, and Wizard. I want to thank Mel for her hospitality, uh, and I want to thank Mike and and all the listeners for allowing me to do what I'm truly passionate about in life, and that's spreading positivity throughout the world. So thank you. Man, you summed that one up good. You always do. It's tough for me to come on and and follow that every time. I get get tied up in it when you go through it, so good job. Yeah, man, thanks to everybody, like Brett always says, for – for coming back and listening to us and, and Mike for coming on here and doing what you do, man, and integrating those dogs into the teams and keeping our boys alive. I personally know how good they, they are and how important they are to us. So thank you all, everybody. Happy holidays. I'm out. We're out. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.